to the Aztec Domination Podcast. Here are your hosts, both of them, Aztecs for Life, David Perkins, and David Scoes, the official real estate partner of San Diego State Aztec, Jeffrey Goodall. episode of the Aztec Domination Podcast. This is the first Aztec basketball podcast only of the season. I'm joined by our my co-host Jeffrey Goodall. I'm joined also by John Kegley and Ben Dole. How are you all doing tonight, guys? Doing fabulous. Thanks, Dave. Doing all right. Happy New Year. Well, it is a shady start to the season, as you guys know. The Aztecs did good in Maui, but they can't really play good on their home court or on the road. So let's open up this podcast with a little bit of Aztec news. So your first piece of news today is Air Don Coriel made the Hall of Fame as a finalist. So now he has one more vote. Before he makes it, John, what do you what do you think about that? he's done quite a bit not only for uh football overall but also for san diego state i think he deserves to be on it i know that there's some that are going to disagree with me and call me a homer but at the end of the day you know he's he's truly someone that changed football and west coast football uh before west coast football really ran the spread so i I think he deserves to get in oh exactly ben do you have any comments on air don coriel or should we skip further down into our news section I just, I mean, I second Jeff. Just the style of play. I mean, that that legacy. He's 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 a guy that's kind of a legacy that'll last far beyond his years, and that's what a Hall of Famer is all about. Okay, so our next news section falls for Aztec football. Also, a little bit towards the Chargers. If you guys haven't been paying attention, the city of San Diego joined with SDSU have offered a last-ditch measure to keep the Chargers in San Diego. As part of this deal, San Diego State and the city of San Diego will combine for $375 million. The NFL and Chargers would be expected to pay the rest. Currently, that deal is under negotiation as the Chargers want $100 million more from San Diego State and the city of San Diego. 
They want the owners to pay for it, so we'll see what happens with that. But this would be a countywide, not citywide vote. I've heard, and if it passes, would be the largest stadium subsidy in California history. So we've been asking people this question in our two groups, official SDSU football student-run fan group and the official SDSU basketball student-run fan group. As an Aztec fan, what is most important to you? Do you want the Chargers downtown with the Aztecs? Do you want the Aztecs to take over Mission Valley site? And that would be the assumption that the Chargers leave San Diego. Or do you not really care? And we have a combined, I would say, close to 5,000 people in those two groups. We'll keep you updated as the polls move further along. Because if this deal happens, San Diego State would probably be on the hook for about 150 to 200 million of the 375 million dollars. Meaning you need the Aztec vote. And so far, 132 people say the Aztecs should take over the Mission Valley site, build their own stadium, and expand the campus. 10 people want the Chargers and the Aztecs downtown. And 31 people really don't care. They're down with either. So what do you guys think about this whole proposition of the Aztecs funding or helping to fund a new stadium for the Chargers downtown San Diego? Personally, I don't like it. I've said that from day one. I know that we've talked about this in great depth. I know there's a lot of Charger fans out there that are probably throwing darts at my face on their dartboard right now, maybe one in Texas in particular that you host another podcast with. But um, with that being said, I, I think it's time for the Chargers to move on. Uh, I don't think they have any feet to, or legs to stand on when it comes to negotiating at all. I think that they've burned bridges here. I think that they're terrible stewards of the community and not necessarily the Charger players. I think the Charger players want to be here. But I just don't think ownership cares. And it, it shows with this. I mean, the, the the county, the city, and San Diego State are coming together and offering them a pretty sweetheart package here, trying to help keep them in San Diego. And they're saying, we want more. You know, at what point is it going to be enough? And if it's $100 million more, you know, and they give them $100 million, is that really going to be the number? Are they going to go out and they're going to spend more than that? I, I don't think, I don't know. I just don't like it. I think they need to go someplace else. I think that San Diego is such a viable option for the NFL that if they do move and go elsewhere, which I don't think would really happen because L.A. doesn't want them, uh, that we would get a better uh, team here in San Diego or better ownership from from a different team here in San Diego that would want to participate and uh, make something truly special here in San Diego. And I see John shaking his head, but that's just how I feel. <laughs> so earlier, John and I had this same very discussion about how he – partially hates Aztec fans because of this. And I had to explain to him, look, John, you know, San Diego State, there's a ton of people that don't live in San Diego. They're from out of state. They have their own teams. They don't really care what's going on. But, you know, it would be perfect. Yeah, we helped the Chargers build a stadium downtown. But can we also have Mission Valley is the question that John proposed, which I think makes sense. Because in the long run, that I – currently believe that's the only thing ASIC fans really care truly care about is helping the university expand and that's that in my opinion is only going to happen if the Aztecs have their own football facility and extended campus what do you think John
done yet not by a long shot of course this is going to have to be voted on this is going to be have to put on the ballot which is why i think it's interesting and that's why i want to know what aztec fans are thinking about this because as i said this is going to be a vote so will aztec fans vote to support a new charger stadium or will they hold back and not approve it so if you guys want to voice your opinion on our poll go to either the official sdsu football student run fan group or the official SDSU basketball student-run fan group, and vote on our poll, or shoot us an email, or shoot us a tweet, and we will respond to you. So let's get into basketball now. So we are going to recap the Aztecs lost in New Mexico. Unfortunately, I was unable to be there. I had to work. I know Ben had work. I know John was at the Charger game. So this week, Jeff was the only one who actually saw the game. Jeff, can you give us a little recap of what the heck happened at the AHAS on Sunday? I would absolutely love to give you a recap. But before I do that, I would be uh, sadly mistaken if I didn't give a big shout-out to one of San Diego's uh, premier football stars, uh, Matt Bormeister. I know Matt is probably not listening to the podcast like he's celebrating that big 45-yard field goal last night at the Rose Bowl. But uh, I know he does listen to our podcast, so I want to give him a shout-out and uh, a big fight-on to those Trojan fans that are listening. <laughs> My friend's little brother. <laughs> shout-out to the Bormeister family. They're all a ton of kickers. So, yep, as Jeff said, that was a good game. Let's get into some basketball. So, San Diego State, New Mexico, Sunday, 2 o'clock game. Let's start with the, the issue there. Um, I don't know how many of you guys were in attendance, but – we had a pretty good crowd. I mean, it was probably 10,000 plus that were in attendance. Uh, student section was probably 85% full. The atmosphere was electric. Um, unfortunately, the officiating was subpar, which is nothing new. We had David Hall. Oh, we God. had John Higgins. And we had Kelly Self, um, who, in my opinion, are three of the least favorite officials uh, in the Mountain West Conference, and then all of it's double-A basketball. I know that uh, Coach – or I can't speak on behalf of Coach, but I know David Hall is not a big fan of Coach Fisher's and certainly doesn't give us any extra favors when it comes to calls, and it certainly showed against New Mexico. Um, we came out hot. We actually started Max Hotzel nope. uh, again, and, and Max played out of his shoes. Unfortunately, he only got about, I don't know, eight or ten minutes in the first half because he got into quick foul trouble. He got two quick fouls on very ticky-tacky foul calls. Um, and then, you know, in that first half, he, he had seven of the first 11 points, came out with, uh, I want to say, two two quick putbacks and a deep three. And uh, San Diego State got out, you know, hard, and we were up 11 at halftime. And uh, I walked back in the back. Uh, the halftime was talking to some people. I said, you know, I'm just not confident about this. I don't know what it is, but I'm not liking this. And we came out, and, and uh, second half, our offensive Sets just weren't running. We weren't hitting our shots. Uh, the first half, Zylan Cheatham was 
basically unstoppable. I mean, he had seven points. Uh, we were easily driving to the lane. Trake Kel did a great job of getting to the lane, and then actually throwing up would be like a lob. Uh, so it's an assist to uh, Valentine Azundo. did that a couple times. Where Val was the biggest guy out there, and we had no problem throwing over the top. So I'm hoping San Diego State takes some notes from that and, and does it moving forward. But unfortunately, New Mexico just came out red hot the second half and was hitting and firing on all cylinders, and it was it was tough. I mean, it was uh, hard to sit there and watch. We were sitting there trying to cheer the team on. I know that the, the uh, crowd was in it all the way to the very end. And uh, with, I want to say, about 30 seconds left, it was a four-point game, and we came down, and, and uh, Jeremy Hemsley had another turnover with the game, you know, at the very end. And we've seen it now a couple of times. Grand Canyon was one that we saw it at, um, you know, and it's just becoming a reoccurring factor where we, we don't, we can't close out games. I don't know what's going to, what it's going to take to change that. I, I felt like maybe after Maui, we were getting over a hump and uh, the team was playing well and it seemed like the chemistry was, was there and everybody's kind of gelling. And um, I think it's just been tough. I mean, like, like we've, We've talked about in the past, Malik is still out, Pope, and obviously that's one of our key factors and, and one of our big go-to guys. And this year, I feel like not having him in the rotation um, is both a blessing and a curse. And this last week, Matt Shrigley, you know, got a high ankle sprain running up and down in uh, five and five during practice and was unable to suit up for the game. So we were missing two big players. Um, with that being said, I hate losing to Craig Neal. I mean, for anybody that is an Aztec fan, it's it's literally the worst thing in the world to lose to the Lobos. Uh, Craig Neal, for those people who were there, he was the gentleman wearing the atrocious navy blue uh, tuxedo courtside. He looked like a Las Vegas pimp. Um, God, he's just the worst coach in the whole world, but somehow he pulled off a victory and you got to tip your cap. And uh, Elijah is the other kid I couldn't stand, man. Elijah Brown, I guarantee you, if you go look at his freaking classes at New Mexico, he's taken acting class for sure. The guy is the biggest flop I've ever seen. He was getting, he was causing more offensive fouls that were getting called, that were actually being called defensive fouls against the Aztecs and getting away with them. And if he had not gotten, I think he was 12 or 14 from the free throw line. Or yeah, it might have even been 14 for 14 from the free throw line. Had he not got his free throws, he wouldn't have had any points. I mean, he he had 20-some-odd points. He had a couple deep threes, but nothing significant. He was brutal. I mean, it was just – it was a start to finish, one of those games where you get up early. Wow, you know, this is this, the same Aztec team we saw in Maui. These guys have turned a page. We're really, really, really communicating well. The defense was being played hard and aggressive the first half and then second half. The defense slipped up. We stopped making our offensive plays because – partially because of defense – uh, and then you just saw the Aztecs kind of fade into the sunset and New Mexico run away with the game. Yeah, it just – I'm looking at the stat sheet, and it just looks awful. Um, <laughs> God, you're not going to win a game when your bench only scores nine points. And that was only Valentine Nizundu. He scored nine points himself, which is a really great really great night for him. That's I think that's his high. It's his Aztec high is nine points. Yeah. He's averaging one point a game besides that. Yeah, which is which is a good deal, but New Mexico's bench outscored us twenty two to nine. You're not gonna win when that happens. You're not gonna win when you turn the ball over sixteen times. But New Mexico also had sixteen turnovers. So I'm assuming there was a lack of transition game leading to lack of points for us. Because like if you look at our stats 22 for 53 from field goal, that's 41.5% to their 41.2%. Uh, 
but the big one is threes, man. We shot 23 freaking three-pointers, and they only made five of them. Like, like, come on, you can't do that. Caesar over three, Allen over two, Hemsley one for seven, Kel two for seven, Hotel two for four. See, that was the big one. I was following the game tracker while I was at work, and I kept seeing, man, Hotel started the game on fire. Yeah. But as Jeff said, he got in the foul trouble very early on, and he would foul out before the end of the game. And that's like, I think that's the player who bogged us down the most. Because when he was in, they were clicking on all cylinders. They were playing really well. And then right when he fouled out, the Aztecs were in this oh crap territory. And they just couldn't shoot because the Aztecs did not score a single hoop in the last four minutes of that game. Which is something you just can't happen. And I think that also has a little bit to do with lack of leadership on the court because from what I've heard from Jeff, from everyone else, um, from listening to Mighty 1090, is that Zylan Cheatham is kind of the leader right now along with Hemsley. But you really want to see some senior leadership step in. And one of the questions that's been proposed is, since we lost Xavier Thames, we really haven't had a true point guard who has that leadership, I want the ball at the end of the game mentality. And that might have hurt him. It may have not. I don't really know. But final score in that game, San Diego State 62, New Mexico 68. Does anyone have any other input they want to provide on this game before we move on to the women's game? Yeah, the turnovers. I couldn't hear what John was saying. I couldn't either. Um, he was saying something about someone texting on the sideline. No. Um, but let's do a little bit of a little bit more stat recap while we fix that issue. So we'll go down look, this huh? Look at the first half. If you look at the San Diego State's defense, first half to second half. First half, we had 11 turnovers, and we ran a defense that was aggressive. We had a couple times where we had potential 10-second calls they didn't call. We were trapping hard. We were making them make the difficult pass. We were making them to force them to make the cross-court pass. Um, our defense was probably the best I've ever seen it since 2011. Yeah. And even I'll even say it was it was close to being equivalent to when we ran the one three one against New Mexico with Dwayne Pulley and had the 17-point comeback. That's how good and effective it was the first half. And the second half, they just tore through it, and our guys just weren't there. I mean, part of it was Max was in, and then he got two more quick fouls, and he was out. Uh, Like you said, he fouled out quickly. He said they had 16 total turnovers to the game. They had 11 in the first half, which means they only had five in the second half. It's going to have a hard time trying to win games when you're not not able to turn the other team over. Yeah, that's definitely – Definitely true. <clears throat> Especially, I, I'm flabbergasted by the total of 16 turnovers by both teams. Like, that must have been one sloppy basketball game to have to watch. Um, 
And as you said earlier, the fan support was great. That I was interested by, considering the Chargers were playing their what possibly could be their final game ever at Qualcomm and competing basically, so to speak, against the Aztec game. Um, how well did the show do this game? Not not specifically talking about the show show, but yeah. like how how good was that section? Because this was one of those games where I was mad about the beginning of the year with athletics in terms of marketing. Because this, yep. I believe, was the last of the mini season package that they were selling. Yeah. So, so we- it was actually done pretty well. I'll give I got to give Lisa Peterson or Pearson rather. Sorry, Lisa Pearson over in uh, marketing a big shout out. She had the the idea to do the blackout that game, and the entire arena was blacked out. Oh, that's uh, nice. Whether that was hangovers from the night before, or wearing <laughs> black jerseys, or wearing black t-shirts, or a combination of all three. Um, it was really well done. So big shout out to her. And like I said, uh, the, the thing that's killing me is we need to get more creative with the show guys. I've touched on this in the past, Dave, and I've talked about this. I'll sit here and put it on the podcast again. I will volunteer to help you guys, whether it's financing when finding people to help underwrite costs or coming up with new ideas and new chants or helping you guys find a way to, to get this back to where we were before when Connor and those guys used to run it, Sean, um, you got to pass the torch. The guys that are currently running it, I, you're, you're holding up the, the train, guys. Uh, we're missing an opportunity here to get these guys back on track and do something crazy. We need to get the big heads back. We need to get the the interactive figures back. We used to have the kiss head that had the tongue that stuck out. We used to have the spiral wheels that they would spin. I mean, it's got to be creative and it's got to happen now. So my challenge to all you show members and students that are listening to these podcasts uh, and people that are true Aztec fans that want to help out, let's find a way to get some more, you know, whatever it is, show signs uh, in that section and make sure that we're, we're making it distracting for these guys. Cause I'll tell you what, I think they hit every single free throw they shot in the second half. They didn't miss a single free throw. And we had the entire show sitting behind the basket. Dang. That is interesting. But so in terms of my complaint, that was that they were reselling student tickets to alumni, meaning that less students would be able to sit there. So I was kind of worried about how ruckus that area was going to be. It Um, it was rocking and rolling. I mean, you had people standing the entire game dressed in all black, even if they weren't students, there were, you know, people that bought the tickets, they were into it. It was, it was rocking and rolling. It was, it was one of the most fun games I've been to in a while. And that's saying a lot, because I've been to a lot of games. I've been on the road for a lot of games this year, San Diego state. And, uh, this atmosphere was not quite Gonzaga esque up in Spokane nor grand Canyon. Cause grand Canyon was freaking crazy as well. But this was a very, very, very good environment. And reminded me of our glory days, so to speak, for the show. Okay. And and as a crowd, we, we you could tell the people wanted this win in a bad way for the Aztecs. We wanted people to, if you were there, you wanted San Diego State to come away with a victory, regardless of what it took. Okay, that is a good thing. Because I saw comments in the group on the game thread that there were just a ton of people not doing anything. In the no, that's section. not the case. <laughs> so we, we can re- rebut that. That statement, but yeah. John, are you back yet? 
Okay, he's still Oompa Loompa-ish. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's proceed to our preview of Nevada, and we will come back and do the women's recap um, a little bit later. So previewing Nevada, just one stat that I read earlier that I wanted to read for everyone, if I can find it. Okay, here it is. Nevada's record versus the other Mountain West team since moving from the WAC into the Mountain West in 2012. Um, total record, San Jose State 5-1, and one, Air Force 2-6, and six, UNLV 4-5, and five, Utah State 3-3. Three and three. I skipped UNLV because they're kind of laughable, but 4-5 and five against UNLV. Wyoming 3-6, and six, Fresno State 3-6, and six, Colorado State 2-5, and five, Boise State 2-6, and six, New Mexico 2-6, and six, in San Diego State, 0-7. So, Nevada is looking to knock off San Diego State for the first time since rejoining the Mountain West. So, what do you guys think is likely to happen in this game? This is going to be a tough game. We're going into a hostile Nevada arena with a great coach, not a good coach, a great coach, a guy that coaches up his players in a big way. And I'm looking back at their box scores for the previous games. Uh, when they're at home, they don't lose. Uh, they they literally are. They won. They beat Loyola Marymount. They beat Oregon State. They beat Iona. They beat Oakland. They beat Buffalo. Um, they beat Pacific. They actually, now that I'm looking at it, they beat Irvine. And they beat San Jose, San Jose State. They're undefeated at home this year. They protect their home court. This this will be a game that I think truly tests uh, San Diego State. And early on, we we could be 0-2 going into a very tough Boise game that's in another hostile environment, which is a position I don't think San Diego State nor the Essex want to be in. Um, you know, I think best-case scenario is obviously come back 2-1, but I think we're in a must-win situation against Nevada tomorrow night. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. So as Jeff said, let's just take a look at the stats. Um, this is one thing that we have been arguing in our group. A ton of people think Nevada is good. Nevada's strength of schedule is very, very low, which is very, very good. So I believe they're in the 20 to 30 zone, or if they're not, they're in the 40s. But one thing to look at is the Ken Palm rankings. I don't know. If you believe Ken Palm is more important, uh, Jeff Grammer, Jeff Grammer of University of New Mexico Lobo beat writer from Albuquerque, who I don't know if you would agree with me, but I believe he is the best or the second best beat writer in the entire conference. He believes that those rankings really don't matter and that the other rankings do. And, the, they have not beaten a team ranked lower or equal to themselves, which is not good at all. But as Jeff said, he just shot off a name of a bunch of names of schools that they have beaten. So let's go over a few of their top players. You have Marcus Marshall in conference play. He's averaging 25 points a game. You have DJ Fenner. He's played in one game, it looks like. He's averaging 16 points. You have Jordan Caroline. He's played in two games. He's averaging 10.5 points per game. 
And then the good old Cameron Oliver, their big man, who's played two games averaging 10 points. Everyone else is below three points per game. So those, those are the names you should probably be looking out for if you are really, really paying attention. Um, Marcus Marshall is their starting point card. So he's definitely a, a person to look at. As Jeff said, Nevada, they really do load their arena. Everyone watches their games. You know, they've had a really, really good history of filling up that arena, whether it being in the WAC or in the Mountain West. You know, when they used to play in the WAC, they had one of the most or one of the best home records, I believe, in the country at the time before they entered the Mountain West which at that point in time was a lot better than anyone else. And that you can tell by looking at the records that I read off earlier. They're combined 30 and 47 since joining the conference. But now they're on a roll. They're 2-0 in conference play. They're the people, they are the team to beat. If you redid the media vote right now, I guarantee you Nevada would be the team to beat in the Mountain West Conference this year with San Diego State's struggles. So what do you guys think is going to happen in this game? Ben, John, Jeff, let us hear it. Well, man, I'll let you start. I, I, I've been the guy saying, like, that the team doesn't need to necessarily think, like, it's not it's tournament, tournament uh, conference tournament or bust, so I kind of have to would have to say that this is a must-win game. Um, I, I mean, under under Musselman, I think Nevada knows what they are. Um, you know, Marshall, Marshall's gunning 10 threes a game, and he has the green light, and and they're going to try to go. I, I expect them to go at Cheatham with, with Oliver and try to get him out of the game. Um, just given that, I mean, I think Nevada will ride their two dogs, and, and if, I mean, I, I think Nevada's going to be able to pull this one out, and it's just, it's gut check time. And I think the team that knows who they are is going to be able to pull this out. See, that is something when you hope it's the Aztecs are the ones that are, who are going to figure that out. But as we all know, the Aztecs, I don't think they've really figured out who they are yet this season. They're either really good or they're really bad. Um, I really don't think there is no in-between with this team. And as Ben said, He's in the guy who's been riding it the entire time, you know, conference championship or bust. And I have since joined that bandwagon. You know, the Mountain West is absolutely horrible this year. It's been proven again. You know, they, we couldn't beat anyone decent in conference play. You know, the Aztecs lost to Gonzaga. I think we're the, that's the only top 25 team that Aztecs played. But the rest of the conference, they were like, they went like 0 and 11, 0 and 12 versus top 25 ranked teams. So the conference is just an embarrassment this year. And I truly believe it's one team, one team league conference. However you want to put it, one team's going to make it. And if that is going to be the Aztecs, maybe it's a good thing that they're just playing different combos if they're trying to figure it out now and hope that it comes together later in the season. Um, it's kind of a kind of a tricky thing, as Ben said. You know, they have two players that are really, really good. 
So if the Aztecs can shut them shut them down, I believe the Aztecs can win this game. If they can't, it's going to be a problem because Zylan is like our top player right now. And if Cameron can force Zylan out, can get him the foul out, this could be a very very long game. What do you think, Jeff? You know, I'm going to have to kind of echo both of you guys and, and uh, repeat what was said. But I also want to touch on something that I'm just realizing. Uh, on Eric Musselman's staff is none other than Dave Rice. And I know a lot of people yep. at Nevada, or UNLV rather, could stay, could care less about Dave Rice. But Dave Rice is, no, is not a horrible coach. And he's definitely been able to beat the Essex, uh in the past. So adding that to their staff definitely makes this an intriguing game from a staffing standpoint. You have the former head coach... Uh, against his assistant with Justin Hudson, yep. you know, and they both know how the other one thinks. So it'll be kind of a, a chess game of sorts. Uh, but you're right. I, I think this is a tough game. This I don't want to say it's a must win for the Aztecs, but this really is a important game. This is one that if I'm coach, I'm saying it's it's now or never uh, because this is a Nevada team that should be two and zero. They lost to Fresno on a buzzer beater, uh, you know, and would have been thirteen and two. And sitting here tied for first place with Boise State, New Mexico. Uh, you know, we're we're on a one-game losing streak. We have the ability to play well, but which team's going to show up? Are we going to show up uh, ready and focused and motivated like we did in in uh, Hawaii? You know, at the Diamond Head Classic, or are we going to show up and we're going to play hard the first half and then kind of let off the gas and uh, you know create an, create an, another catastrophe? or nightmare that, that we've already relived a couple times this season. I, I really don't know. I, uh, I gotta say, if I'm, if I'm looking at this close strictly by the numbers, I would say that Nevada should be favored. Um, uh, but I'm thinking that this is a gut check time. So, you know, Jeremy, Trey, uh, Malik, Zylan, uh, what's my missing Max, <laughs> I'm calling you guys out, Dakari, Diero. I know you guys listen to this sometimes. Gut check, boys, let's go. It's time to step up. It's now or never. Let's sack up. Let's go in and, and take one at Nevada and go into Boise with some steam and, and turn this thing around because we're not far off. So to echo off of your heel, the line for this game is Nevada by 3.5 points. There you go. And, again, this game is in Reno. I do know that we have a big Aztec contingency in Reno that should be at the game. But I have heard that travel conditions for this game might be iffy if they get more snow over there. So it should be interesting to see what happens. As Jeff said, they are 1-1 one one in conference. I goofed on that one. You know, I wanted their full stats, but on their stat website – they only have conference, which I think is stupid, and I just wasn't looking because I assumed they would beat Fresno. But Fresno, yeah, Fresno, New Mexico, they're all good. Um, that San Diego State line, I don't like it, but, you know, it is what it is. And it's really weird when I go one category to the right and I see Boise State's favored by three over UNLV. It really makes me think what the heck happened to the, to our conference. <laughs> One that used to be the Aztecs, it used to be the Lobos, it used to be the Rebels on top. And, man, times are changing. <laughs> but let's preview the Boise State game. That is the following game. 
that game will also be difficult, as Jeff said a little bit earlier. Boise State has become a nemesis for us, I would like to say. A lot of people consider, are starting to consider them rivals to San Diego no. State, including me, because we beat them at everything. And they've started getting very competitive. They've gotten a lot better. Uh, a lot of people, you guys probably know, they're returning starters from last year. Their best one in Nick Duncan. Um, the kid's just crazy. I know a few a few of you guys saw the photo that we shared in the basketball group of him flicking off the Utah State's student section, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, if the Aztecs, if you're going to Boise, maybe that you make a big head of that and bring it with you. Uh, I think that'd be pretty funny. But their top three scorers so far this season, Chandler Hutchinson. He's averaging 18 points a game. He's averaging 8.5 rebounds per game. Um, you got Paris Austin. He's got 10.8. Um, and Nick Duncan again with 10.7. So those are your three top scorers for the Boise State Broncos. And again, that game is at Boise State. So that's a hard travel arrangement. The Aztecs have not fared particularly well when having to go into Boise. So what do you guys think will happen this game? I don't know. And I think a lot of it will depend on what happens against Nevada tomorrow night. And I hate to be the guy that's going to base my prediction off of that. But I think if the Aztecs win tomorrow night, we go in with a head of steam on, on uh, Saturday against Boise and go into Taco Bell Arena and we show uh, – Mr. Duncan, the only thing that that finger is used for is pointing to the uh, meals that he's going to eat off the fast-forward billboard after the game rather than pointing it at fans. <laughs> you know, I'm going to miss the old matchups with Derek Marks because that guy was pretty funny. Marks is, was the man. I mean, I love playing against <laughs> Marks. We have, we have some really super funny, hilarious photos of that guy, which might have to make a, a rerun. <laughs> Thanks, Antonio Mott. That one time when Marks fell and then he couldn't get up, then he fell again, then he fell again. It was kind of like a life alert commercial, help, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Um, yeah. Which I thought was pretty funny. Well, we also have one that never got out, Dave. I know what it is. That one might have to be blown up this year. That one very <laughs> That would be hilarious, but I don't know that if would, you would That would be a good big hit. We'll, we'll see if we can dig that out of the archives somewhere. But, uh, you know, you're right. I just I, – I, here's my thing, guys. It's college basketball. You're not getting paid to play unless you're at one of the Power 5 schools. This is Mount West Conference. With that being said, stop acting like idiots. Stop talking trash. Yes, I'm talking to you, Elijah. You threw your gum at me against the New Mexican one Sunday. I appreciated it. That was classy. You sat there and blew me kisses. You know, Nick Duncan flipping off Utah State. Show a little class, you guys. This is freaking college basketball. This isn't the NBA. You're not entitled to do anything. You're not getting paid to play. Go out there and play and have fun, you know, or don't play. Just sit on the bench and bitch and complain. But don't sit there and, and throw stuff at people and flip the bird and be immature. That's your 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that are going to school for free to play a sport to represent the university that you wear on your chest. So act like it. 
true. Um, well, uh, any Ben, what do you think about this matchup? Do you think the Aztecs are gonna are gonna do good? You know, Boise State notoriously they like to shoot the three. The Aztecs this year looks like we can't hit a layup to save our lives. I think it's just like if they like going back like what two years ago. It's just like, can you remember to stick to Nate Duncan to go back to him? Like, if you do, if you do, then the rest of the team probably isn't going to be good enough to beat you by themselves. But if you just let him stand out there by himself, he's going to hit threes. I mean, I think I think that's really going to be the biggest thing. Um, I, I wouldn't. I'm not really concerned about Chandler Hudson, Hutchinson like beating this team with his ball no. skills. No. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, I mean, just stick to Duncan and just don't let him get any shots off. And on the other end, just get, just if they just get out of the way and give the ball to Cheatham 20 times, I mean, they're going to have to double him from that first touch. And if they just if they just play smart from there, they'll play five on four all day. Dave, I'll, t- I'll tell you that the, I love what Ben just said, but I'll tell you the answer right now. Uh, Mr. Duncan, meet Mr. Cheatham on defense. <laughs> And Mr. Hutchinson, meet Mr. Allen on defense. Neither one of those guys is going to put up, you know, more than 10 points against either one of the other players if they can stay out of foul trouble. If they don't, it's going to be a quick game, It's going or it's going to be a long game. That It'll I, be one that Aztec fans are going to hate. Yeah, I agree 100% on that one. Because I'll take the Aztecs' defensive skills over any team in the conference any day of the year, any – any day of the year, any time of night or day, put us out there and we'll probably win with our defense. But if they get into foul trouble, then we're kind of toast. Yeah, we're toast, to put it nicely. But the odds are not out on this game yet, so you guys will have to stay tuned to our group or our Twitter or Facebook or whatever when those come out. So let's do a little roundtable here. John, are you back? Can you hear me now? Perfectly. Yes. <laughs> okay, so can I ask my question to Jeff now? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, so our friend Sarah posted this picture of what looked to be Pope on his cell phone during the game while he was sitting on the bench. He's sitting on the bench with his phone between his legs like he's in a classroom trying to hide it underneath the desk. Did you see any of that? No, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to the bench. I was busy talking to Elijah uh, Brown the whole game, like literally – sitting there and the kids having a conversation with me, which I don't mind. I, I like talking to the players. There's good guys to talk to, but uh, I didn't see, I saw that the bench was into it. The first half they were rocking and rolling. Zylan was jumping up and down when he wasn't in. Uh, Max Filter was cheering like crazy when he wasn't in. Um, Shrigley was over there, you know, getting into it. Malik was in there getting into it. You know, I, maybe she caught him at a timeout or maybe she caught him right after a timeout. And it was something that was quick, but I mean, again, you're like talking about 20-year-old kids. If, if he's out of the game, does, should he have his phone on the bench? Absolutely not. If he does, I'm pretty sure the coach would have said something. But at the same time, if there's a picture out there that exists, I mean, come on, guys. you got to know better than that. So the roundtable discussion now, if you had to predict today what the record would be when the Aztecs return to face San Jose State next Tuesday night, what do you think? Is going to happen? Are the Aztecs going to go two and zero? They going to go zero two, or are they going to split one and one on the road? Save your dick. So we're going <laughs> around in a circle, so everyone gets a chance to answer this one. All right, let the other two go first. <laughs> I mean, I'll say one and one. I mean, Nevada's 
Nevada's a confident team, and we already went through that, so I'll say they split. John? I say we go one and one. I say we surprise everybody and beat Nevada, but lose to Boise. Do you want me to go, Jeff? No, I'll jump in. We're going to come back, and we're going to be seven and seven. So we're going to go 0 2. You think we're going to lose the next two games? Yep. I agree. That's not because I think we're a horrible team. That's because they haven't proven to me yet that they're capable of doing anything. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want to be doing this at this point in the season. It's so long season, we still support our team. I just don't think they can do it. If they win a few games, then that's good, man. I'll be happy for them. But at this point in the game, as we've said multiple times, this is going to be a Mount West title or bust situation. And you're either going to get the, the high or the low seeds or in the middle. And I really don't think that regular season is really going to count. Especially the Aztecs didn't have any big non-conference wins. You can count Cal. But that's only going to be useful if Cal's in the top five, I would say, at the end of the year. Because we had some really, really bad non-conference losses as well. So, it will be interesting to see what happens. But now, let's interject and go back and do the women's recap for New Mexico. So, John, I know you were at the game. Let us know what happened at the women's game. Well, I wasn't at the New Mexico game unless someone was to pay my plane flight to New Mexico. But, uh... <laughs> Did you watch it, at least? We got destroyed. <laughs> we got destroyed. Badly. Like... We lost 85 to 42. I mean, they doubled our score. I mean, you know, when you hear, when you're in the show and the show loves to do the two times your score chant, well, they might as well have been doing that to us. We scored six points in the second quarter and nine points in the third quarter. You're not going to win games when you do that. Our offense had been looking somewhat promising the past five games, starting to look up. We scored 80 a couple of times, but... Once we hit conference play, it shows that our, we're not even close to being in a good basketball team. Yikes. That's just not good at all. Um, it's not, man. Our, this, the way this coaching is going, man, I don't really have much confidence the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know what it is with our coach, but she loves to do the everybody stand outside the three-point line and pass it and pass it. And when it gets to five seconds on the shot clock, either throw up a shot or try and drive and draw a foul, then ends up happening as we turn the ball over. So they're pretty much running the Air Force offense, so to speak. I would say that's an accurate uh, assumption right there. Actually. Waste, waste, <laughs> time, really waste time, waste time, waste <laughs> time, waste time, shoot the ball. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the box score, but apparently ESPN doesn't care about women's basketball because they don't have box scores for any of the Mount West games. But as John said, so here's a little mini recap. First quarter, New Mexico 31, San Diego State 15. Second quarter, New Mexico 20, San Diego State 6. Third quarter, New Mexico 12, San Diego State 9. Fourth quarter, New Mexico 22, San Diego State 12. Final score, 85 to 42. Is there anything else that we need to add about this game, John? Oh, scoreboards and the box scores tell it for you, man. I mean, six points in the second, nine points in the third. What else do you need to know about that game? So if 
you are available if you're at home. You can go check out the women's next two conference games. They take on Nevada Wednesday the 4th, which... Tomorrow? Is tomorrow. Yep, at 6.30 p.m. Or you can check them out Saturday against Boise State at home at 5 p.m., which is 2 p.m. our time. So those games probably going to be blowouts if they continue the conference trend which hopefully they can write the ship pretty soon but that's enough talking basketball games so far this year we are going to move into one of our favorite segments on the show user questions and we have quite a few of them so in this section ben is our new party for those of you that don't know ben ben writes his own basketball blog and he also writes for us he does the game recaps. His articles are always really, really good. He shares a lot of his high basketball IQ with the audience. So Ben will also be answering some of these questions. So basically what we do, we do roundtable. So all four can answer a question or you can pass depending on if you don't want to answer it or not. So the first user question comes from Steven Tarlow. He has five questions, but his first is what do we think about Gil Caesar, is he failing to assert himself? Is the coaching staff giving him too few minutes? Or have they failed to figure out a good way to get him into the flow of offense? Whatever flow there is. So, Jeff, do you want to start off this question? <clears throat> sure. Um, what do I think about Monte Gil Caesar? I like him. I think he's a hustler. I think everybody, including himself, is still trying to figure out what his role is with San Diego State this season. Uh, I know that a lot of people thought he's going to have much more time on the court, but San Diego State is a defensive team, and defense is number one, and it has been for several years since we started winning, and it will continue to be that. And if you don't play defense, you don't play. So that's why we're not seeing a lot of, of Techie nor Nolan nor Rain, because both those guys get burned all the time on defense. And uh, I think there might – I don't know. I, I don't know him personally. It seems like there's a little bit of an attitude there. Uh, there might be an attitude problem and, and just the way he gels with the other guys on the team. Early on in the season, I think I told David, the first game of the season, he had 21 or 22 points, whatever it was, he's the leading scorer. But he was looking at the scoreboard to see, because him and Zylan were going back and forth to be top scorer for the game, and he kept looking up to see who was higher. And I caught him doing it a couple times. And to me, as, a, as an outsider and as someone who is pretty adamant about San Diego State sports, but also about you know little things when it comes to guys, the guy's looking at his own stats. He's not thinking about the team, you know, and, and I hate to say that, so I don't know if that might be something to do with it, but um, he certainly hasn't been hitting his shots. He certainly hasn't been aggressive with the hole. He certainly hasn't been playing defense. So I don't I don't know what everybody's, you know, c- concerned about. Uh, Steve Fisher's always played eight or nine guys max, and he's probably the ninth or tenth guy at this point. You know, same thing with Nolan Noreen. So we, we've got the eight that are playing and that are giving an effort and that are busting their butt. Uh, and the other two are going to, you know, try to fight for time when time is there. But I haven't seen them really fight or do anything impressive when they got out there for either one of those guys to, to get more time on the court. So since we're talking about him first, you know, uh, that, that's what I think about uh, Monte Bill Caesar. So, Ben, what do you think about Techie? I think the answer is still incomplete with him. I mean, rewind the clock back a few years. Kentucky wanted this guy. I mean, he could score from anywhere. He's got the body for it. Um, like at six six, he's a he's a big dude at that height too. But 
just like given given the current climate of the team, like I just don't know what I don't know what people are really expecting. He's playing ten that he's playing ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there. Um, you know, if he's a guy who can do stuff with the ball in his hands, he can post up a little bit. Well, the team's still struggling to work through Zylan in the post. They're still struggling to work out the balance between Kel and Hemsley with the ball in their hands. So it's not like they're, you know, they're ready to just hand over all these extra duties to another guy. They already have all these cooks in the kitchen and they haven't, they haven't found a balance there. So I've, I've found it hard really to be critical of him at all. Um, with the defense stuff, with like Jeff said, that might be fair. I, it hasn't, it hasn't been the thing I've been focusing on most. So it's hard for me to say as far as the defense goes, though. John, what do you think? I haven't seen enough games to honestly comment on this. I don't get the games on my TV. Okay, so you skip that one. I'll respond. I would agree with Jeff at this point. We all know Coach Fisher. If you can't play defense, you ain't going to play. I think that's a big problem with Caesar so far. I don't think that when he was at Missouri, a big part of their game was playing defense. I think they're more of like a running gun type offense. So he's not really used to it. And I think he will progress better and better as the season goes on, as he plays more and more for coach. But offensively, I would agree with Ben. Um, he hasn't played that much. He's playing weird minutes. He's playing 10 minutes, as Ben said here, 15 minutes there. It's not really the same minutes every game. So I think it's still a little bit too hard to, to say offensively what's going on with Caesar because, man, he can score. He is, as Jeff said, he's a beast on the court. So I think by the end of the season we'll know what's happening. Again, he had to sit out all of last year, so that always, in my mind, plays a role with a player's slow start to the season because that's kind of been the asset way with transfers. But um, we are going to skip um, to number two. What happened to Zylan last game? Um, it seemed that he was about to take a step forward and be our spark plug and emotional leader on the floor. And that really didn't happen. You want me to answer because I was there? Yes, sir. <laughs> um, well, he started out hot. I mean, like I said, the Essex came out red hot in the first half. And then they started double-teaming Zylan. Uh, and when you double-team Zylan and your team shoots one for seven from three-point land from your best three players, or five for 23 on the night, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot other than use the other guy, which is what they started doing. They started going to Valentine and throwing little lobs over the top, and, and I think that's what they're going to have to continue to do. I think uh, for Zylan, it's frustrating. I know he wanted to have a great game because New Mexico was the other school that he came down to when it was in his final two. Uh, and for those of you who don't remember, recall, uh, there's YouTube videos of him taking his, you know, Howl at the howl at the Moon or Howl at the whatever it was, Night of the Howl uh, recruiting trip, and they had, you know, 10,000 Zs for Zylan in the stands, and we're all about the guy, and we ended up getting him. So uh, I don't think that he's took a step back. I just think the teams are learning that he's our he's our spark plug, and if you want to shut us down, you pull him out. You know, you get him in foul trouble, you double him up on offense, and, and uh, the only way he's really going to beat people is the way he has been, you know, on transition, getting the board and pushing up the court quickly and then driving through four or five guys and making the hard basket. Uh, you know, and, and 
I expect nothing less. He, he does have the best first step on the team, but um, their teams, once you get into conference, teams know each other so well. There's so much uh, chemistry that's established over the years, and there's there's so much so much familiarity that you really need to find a way to get unique and switch it up, and I don't think the Isaacs have done that yet. Hmm. What do you think, Ben? I mean, I didn't, I didn't see that last game. The only thing I can I would say is I agree with what Jeff said, but just like the team doesn't do anything to give him easy chances to score. He really has to grind for it when he gets the ball on the block and when he's getting doubled this much. I mean, it's just as, as a guy working out, working from the block all the time, it's just it's, he's going to be so dependent on, on what the rest of his team his teammates are doing. So it's, it's, sometimes it's tough to put it all on him, but he did have six turnovers against New Mexico. Well, let's move on to our next question, unless you have anything that you want to point out, John, because I don't. No, but I, I've only gotten to see four games this year, and I saw that fiery Cheatham in those four games, so but I didn't get to see yesterday's game, so I can't really comment on it. <clears throat> okay, so our next question is why does Dakari continue to get the looks um, from three-point shots? Because he hits them in practice. That's a simple answer. I mean, all these, if you guys go to a San Diego State practice, these guys shoot lights out in practice. Hustle go practice is making 58 out of 60. Uh, Trail go making, you know, about the same. Matt Trigley goes making about the same. Dakari will make 45 out of 50. You know, they're shooting high numbers of shots in practice and, and making them. Uh, it, it, they're just not falling right now. And I know coaches said that in the past. If you look at past Isaac teams that shoot well, you'll just go through lulls. And right now I feel like the Isaacs truly are in a three-point lull, which is not good because this year more so than ever, we're relying on it because we have no big guys to go to down well. Um, ben? Um, I'm assuming the question is is – more asking why is he shooting so many because I've I've read like in the game threads and stuff that's a seems to be a common theme lately if you take away the San Francisco game he hasn't shot taken more than two in a game he isn't taking that many um you know eventually you catch it out there you're gonna have to shoot it eventually and like Jeff said it you know he he makes them practice and I believe that he does um so I don't I don't see it as I don't see it as a problem because I think he's a guy that can get to the rim really easily, especially if he makes one from out there. So I have no problem with him taking those. And they're wide open threes, Dave. I mean, these are three-pointers that if you were sitting on the corner, Frecker, I would tell you to shoot. That's how wide open he is. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that, so I can't really answer that. Um, we're going to skip number four on Noreen. Um We're going to go straight to five. Do you th- do we think that Valentine will be a close enough approximation of Skyler anytime soon? He's played well against New Mexico, but foul problems have been a major issue. Uh, what do you guys think? No. We're going to have Val for one year. Val, Val is a good fifth-year senior transfer player for what our team needed this year. We needed a big guy that could block shots, that could get you know to the rim. Uh, we're not going to get an offensive guy like Skyler was. We're Unless we start throwing the lob like we have been. If we start throwing the lob five times a game, he'll have 10 points a game because there's no one else that's going to go up there and get higher than he does and get that ball. His, his free throw shot's better than Skyler's. So, you know, in that, I think he's already better. 
Uh, but in just the overall basketball IQ, if you if you looked at Skyler as a freshman, you looked at Val as a, a fifth year senior transfer. They're about in the same spot. Um, but you know, Skyler got to work with Coach Fisher and, and work with some of the greatest coaches. You know, I think San Diego State's had in a long time, and refine his skills for three, four years. You know, we're gonna get Valentine for one, and then he's gonna go off and probably play overseas somewhere. Ben, what do you think? I think, I mean, I think Skylar Spencer is just in a league of his own with how fluid he was as a big guy, uh, the way he ran, the way he could catch and just quickly get into something to finish. Um, Valentine just doesn't seem to have that. He is a little bulkier. So like, especially situationally, if you need the, if you need to guard a guy on the box for a couple possessions, he can be trusted to do that and he can get up to block some shots, but also like Zylan Cheatham's the five, and he needs to be playing 35 minutes a, a, a night in a tight game. So it's just, it's not, there isn't as much of a need there. Um, I would say it's not even close. As Ben said, Skyler was really in a league of his own. Um, I don't even think they have the same playing style because Valentine, he doesn't really know what he's doing. When he goes up to block his shot, because he's more like he's flailing his arms around, and he just gets lucky timing when he goes up because his body is so big, he's blocking the person out. I don't know if that's playing into it, but I think he'll be good. But I just don't think he'll be as good of a shot blocker as Spencer. But I think he'll be—he could be better on the offensive side. But it will be interesting. So we're gonna move on, John, unless you want to state an answer on that one i totally agree with you too that he's not going to be even close to the shot blocker skyler was skyler was a freak when it came to shot blocking but uh offensively i mean the four games i did see i don't really see much out of him but according to jeff when they throw the lob to him he's really effective so i want to see some of that if i can get some tickets into a game i would love to look for that Okay, so let's move to the next question. This question is by Philip Wright. What is the overall health of the team, and what is the time frame for getting the injured guys back? Anyone want to answer this, or shall we skip it? We can answer this. So, the only guys that are out right now are Shrigley and uh, oh. Malik. Yeah, Malik has been doing physical therapy as on Sunday for nine straight days, trying to get his his. Uh, knee better he's got a muscle that connects your hamstring to your or tendon rather it's either a tendon or a muscle that connects your hamstring uh to the back of your knee um i guess it's technically not the back of your knee but the, to the joint that's your knee is protecting um that's not allowing his leg to to uh bend or extend fully which makes it hard for him to get up and down the court they've been doing pt on it and you know they keep on thinking that it's going to come, you know, turn around and it hasn't yet. So uh, I actually feel bad for Malik Pope. We haven't seen a healthy Malik Pope in three years in San Diego State, and he hasn't been healthy for two years before that. So it's been five years this guy's actually been injured, and he's got, you know, a, a huge ceiling when it comes to upside, but he really hasn't reached his potential yet, and you really can't blame him at this point. So um, other than that, Matt Shrigley, I think, was a high ankle sprain. I'm hoping he'll be back tomorrow night. He said he wanted to try to play. The other night he went through uh, early – early shoot around and when I saw him in, uh, in the hallway before the game you know he said he was all right but 
wasn't sure that they didn't play him. So I really don't know. I haven't talked to any of the guys after the game. Um, other than actually I ran into uh, Stevenson. He was back from uh, Japan. Deshaun Stevenson was in the building watching the game. But oh, nice. uh, yeah, that, those are the only two guys that are hurt right now. And I, like I said, I think that both those guys are hopefully going to be back by tomorrow, but I really don't, I don't think anybody knows when Malik's truly going to be back. It's called the Padilla, ten, or Padilla muscle or um, Patella tendon? No, no, no. It's Papa something. Hold on. Papadilla. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. See if I can find it. So while he's looking that up, I'm just going to throw in there. You know, everyone keeps asking where the heck is Jalen McDaniels? He's on the bench. He's red, Is he redshirting this year? Yeah, he's officially redshirting after the Gonzaga game. Okay, yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. The Hope Padillo? No, it's the... Hold on. It's called popliteus injury. <clears throat> so symptoms of the popliteus injury include back of the pain in the back of the knee joint, where the tenderness uh, is when pressing at the back of the knee. Pain will be reproduced when the knee is bent against resistance while whilst lowering the leg, or tibia bone is rotated outwards. Athletes with the injury type commonly have tight hamstrings. Dang. Sounds like someone needs to be stretched a lot more. <laughs> That is kind of what it sounds. Does anyone else want to add to what Jeff has said, or should we go to the next question? I just second what Jeff said. I said on Pope. I mean, I wish more people would remember that he's one of the good guys. You know, he's not he's not dogging it. He has no reason to. So let him live. Let him get healthy. This is, I think, one of those cases of the Aztec faithful have always, I, in my personal opinion, they've had a player to hate recently. Last year, last four years, it's been Winston <laughs> Shepard. The prior years, it was a love-hate relationship with Jamal Franklin. So I think Pope might be joining that elite. Um, some love him, some hate him crew. Um, but yeah, as, as you guys have said, you know, He's had tons of injuries, but when he's not injured, he plays really good. So I'd love to see what happens when he comes all the way back. John, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, with Shirley's right ankle, as long as the uh, swelling's down, he just got he just can wrap it up and he can play easily. Really, I mean, there's not really much you can risk if there's no swelling. It's just the pain you have to get through, and you can get rid of that pain with wrapping it. Very true. So we are going to skip Robert Moreno's question, but I will give him a shout-out. Robert, thanks for listening to the show. If you just tuned in and you didn't listen to the rest of it, rewind a little bit. We already answered why Nolan Narain is not getting more minutes. That is because he can't play defense. So we're going to go move on to Scott Ritter. Scott is another friend of the site. He has three questions. All three are really good. Question number one, what is Trey doing differently this year than last? It really seems like he's turned the corner. I think teams are playing him differently. I think teams know that he's got a, th you know, he's a threat and they're guarding him with their best player. 
uh, you know, from the beginning part of the season anyway. Now that now that uh, Zion's stepping up, you might see that be a little different. But uh, when it comes to our our two guards, Jeremy and Trey, I mean, I, I personally am going to put my best guard defender on Trey and try to shut him down because I know if I can, you know, Jeremy's a, a smaller guard. He's going to go into the middle, and if he does try to get up, he, we've got a couple big guys that could potentially block him. Trey's just a more muscular guy that when he gets to the rack – First, he's not really making his shots, which is tough, but he's also not getting easy shots. So you got guys that are throwing bodies, and we're not getting foul calls. And I'm not trying to use the referee as an excuse because that's not an excuse. But um, I'm sure if you went back and watched the video for the whole season, our guys are getting hammered, especially in this last New Mexico game. Some of the screens that these guys were throwing were the most illegal, blatant, dirty screens, and the referees weren't calling anything at all. And our guys are just getting hung out to dry. So. Uh, I don't. I don't know that anything's different per se. I think that he's. Uh, I think we're all going through a struggle. I think the chemistry is not there. I think guys are trying to figure out the rules and trying wanting to help the team win. And uh, you got guys that are uh, probably playing tight enough, tight so tight that you couldn't fit a BB up their rear ends if you tried to because they don't know you know what's going to happen. They they the confidence isn't there on the court and and they really just need to kind of let loose and have fun again. So I'm just going to break in and interrupt the Aztec talk real quick. We have some breaking football news that I would like to report. Don't worry, it's not that big. But uh, Chicago Bear head coach and Aztec for life, John Fox, will be coaching the North team in the Senior Bowl. And according to Kirk D. Kenny of San Diego Union Tribune, Nico Saragusa, Demonte KZ, and Pumphrey might be on Coach John Fox's team. So I think nice. that's, that's pretty cool. Um, shout out to former Aztec head coach. And the Aztec Killing Him blog runner underneath said, very possible he doesn't even remember having attended San Diego State, which I think is really funny. But uh, I'm really excited about that. So going back, Ben, what do you think is Trey doing differently from this year than last? I don't think Trey is doing anything different. I mean, Jeff Jeff said it. Teams know <laughs> teams know how good he is now, um, so they can make it a priority to try to stop him. Um, first, by taking away the three, and and make and that makes it makes it tougher for him to to build off of that and and get into the lane. Um, I don't I don't see as much, and again I don't see as much going through him either. Um, Again, it's a lot of trying to just get the ball in the post, and then if that doesn't work, you throw it out, and then one of those, one of the two guards just has to get something to get get something off in a, in a hurry. Um, I, so I guess I'd like to see him pull more from three, though, at this point to try to get himself going. Um, those little one dribble, one dribble pull-ups off a screen, um, he can get those all day, and that's a shot he should be making with how good a shooter he is. So he hasn't shot it great from the field, but I'm look, I don't, I'm looking for him to shoot even more. Yeah, I would definitely agree with both of you guys. You know, as you just said, he's not shooting well from the field. And the stats really prove that. He's shooting 40.3% from the field so far. And he's shooting – this is what I'm more amazed at, only 27.9% from three-point range. That is the worst of any starter and second worst on the team 
to Dakari Allen, who's not really known for his three-point shooting. Um, John, do you want to answer this question? I have nothing. Okay. So we're going to go to his second question. How is Mark Fisher doing? Um, I don't know much on that one. All I know is that he was at the Diamond Head Classic, and it was refreshing to see Mark's face sitting behind the bench. What do you think, Jeff? Mark's been at uh, the majority of the games this year, actually. All the home games, I think he's traveled, like David said, back to the Diamond Head Classic. Um, and and my understanding thus far is he's still stable and where he's going. The, the disease has not progressed um, as quickly as the doctors originally thought it would. And, um, you know, he's, he's still hanging in there. I, I have a lot of respect for the Fisher family. They're good family friends of ours. And uh, love Mark and Jill and little Max. Uh, and, you know, continue to, to pray for them day in and day out because that's got to be something that's tough to deal with. And, and I'll tell you what, the team, uh, the players in general, have a lot of respect for Coach Fisher. Uh, for little, They call him Little Fish uh, or, or Goldfish uh, because of what he's going through. I mean, that guy is, is battling and giving those guys everything he's got when he's out there coaching. He's at practice every day. He's on the court for home games, and, and uh, he's, still, he's still doing it. I love it. I love Goldfish. That one that one is making me laugh. That was kind of funny. I love that nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have anything they want to pitch in on this Mark Fisher question? I don't. Ben? No, just good to be keeping him in our in our thoughts and prayers. I definitely agree with you guys on that. Um and let's go to our final user question. What is the social aspect of this team? They don't seem to be gelling. <laughs> well, it's, kind of, uh, it's a funny question. Yeah, clear. You know what's funny is I, I actually, let me answer this one, Dave. I know I've taken the bleed off in a lot of these with basketball. I was sitting in the basketball office a couple of weeks back. So I stopped by about once a week just to say hello uh, when I'm doing my real estate stuff over at San Diego State. And uh, walked into the office. I said, I got a question. And I won't talk about who the person was I talked to because uh, they would probably, uh, they probably wouldn't care. But I, I just out of respect, I won't say who it was. I said, how's the chemistry on this team this year? How, how are your guys? And they said, this team absolutely loves one another, more so probably than another team we've had. These guys would go to war for each other. They love each other. They're, they're best friends on and off the court. So... You know, the, the coaches uh, are kind of just sitting here going, what's going on? You know, what do we do? Yep. Um, if it's not the team chemistry, then what is it? You know, and I, I truly think um, it's the you know, same way Aztec fans feel, you know, which which is kind of discerning, but also a little frustrating for everybody because we know what's out there. We have a ton of talent. You know, we have um, four and five-star guys in the court, which is more than San Jose State's had in the past. You're, you've got the same coaches. I mean, we've got. I think we have the best defensive coach probably in the country, if not one of the top five in the country. I think we probably have one of the top twenty-five all-time head coaches, probably one of the top fifteen all-time head coaches. When you oh think yeah. About it. Yep. You, you've got an assistant that's been with the same program for twenty-five or twenty-six years and knows the ins and outs of everything. That's unheard of. And then you got a young guy with Tim Shelton who knows the ropes and can <laughs> communicate with these young guys. So I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, and, and, and going through practices and understanding the organization that goes into a practice uh, before these guys get it. My guess is there's a lot being thrown at them. 
you know, with so many guys being hurt and shuffled around, that these guys are still trying to really get in the rhythm, which sucks to say because we're halfway through the season. But I, I still don't truly believe we've seen the best Aztec team that there is. I think, uh, Dave, you've said it all year. It, it doesn't. It's not going to matter. This season, the second season, as Coach Fish calls it, matters because it's going to be, you know, the wins and losses and the overall seeding. But it's going to come down to three games in Las Vegas at the Thomas and Mac in March, you know, and, and we win three and we're in. And from there, anything can happen. I mean, that's how Coach Fisher started his career. You know, they won three at Michigan after having a terrible conference season and uh, won all the way and won it. I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said. There's three games in Vegas that matter. And the only confidence I have so far in this Aztec team is when they're playing on a neutral court. Because they're 4-0 on neutral courts. So, I think they can take it in Vegas. But the whole thing that I want to see is progression. I want to see the players get better. I want to see them act more of a family, so to speak. Better social interaction on the court. I would say that will help open it up. Um, I think it's just, it's just going to be really interesting. Um, I found Jeff's comment that these guys like and love each other more than any other team that they've had. I find that really hilarious. So I'm sitting here looking at a photo, and this is a photo of Malcolm Thomas and Jamal Franklin. Both, if you guys are following their careers, are both playing in China, and they're both enemies. They're on two different teams. They're on rival teams in China. And Malcolm Thomas is staring at Jamal, and his post is, this dude is my brother for life. Anyone that knows me knows this is my brother. Family over everything. Jamal for MVP. Um, that's like <coughs> one of the big the big things with, with Essex, as we've always talked about, as Jeff's always talked about and, and has stated in his previous little spiel, that Aztecs are family. You know, they come together. And that's a perfect example of two former Aztecs that are playing on two completely different teams but support and love each other so much that <coughs> Malcolm is able to throw his ego behind him and say, Jamal, you should be the MVP. See, that's what I want to see on our current team is guys step up like that. Um, I don't know if it's possible, but what do you – Ben and John, what do you guys think about how they they interact with each other on the court? On the court, I don't I don't really know. I don't really think there's stuff that's happening where we could say that socially, like there are problems. <laughs> Maybe people with better court seats than me have heard like have heard things and whatnot. But I mean, even like the Arizona State game um, when things got really rough. I mean, seeing Trey Kell, like, jump in a huddle and fire everybody up. I mean, all that stuff. Stuff like that that I've seen is all pointing in the right direction. I just think in general, like we say, the team hasn't gelled, but we haven't seen the team. Even the guys that we think are all the way back, we then later find out from Fisher that they haven't been practicing. So those guys aren't really back. They're not 100% confident mm -hmm. um, that they're being all the way back. So just, I mean, and that's kind of why I nitpick with the – with saying that three games in March is all that matters with the season. Like all this stuff leading up to March matters because they have to get their team back. They have to get healthy. They have to, they need those minutes. They need those reps. 
they need to get they need to rack up some wins to build their confidence. Because if this if this stuff really doesn't matter, then let's just play Jalen McDaniel's Daniels for thirty five minutes a game, and just concede all these games as losses. Like they need to get everybody back, and they need to pile up some wins here. And even if it's not seventeen and one in conference, it's still going to matter. True. So <clears throat> basically, what I'll piggyback off of that is, you know, I would have liked to see Jalen play. I know Fisher likes to go with seven or eight guys. But we do have some injuries in there. We have Pope, who's injured. He's not playing. Again, we have Shrigley. He's got an ankle sprain. He's not playing. You know, Holtzel, he's still coming off an injury. So how how can you say that all of these guys are 100% that are playing? I really don't think they are. I, I know from listening to Uncle Teddy, from talking with people, that some of these guys, they're maybe 65 to 75 to 80% healed. In my mind, I would rather see Jalen McDaniels burning his red shirt, getting a few minutes, and letting these guys rest on the bench and get back to 100% like they need to. Um, Jeff, what do you think? I'm going to actually contradict both you guys. I'm going to piggyback off that, but I'm going to contradict you, and I'll tell you why. In talking to Coach Fisher, he's taken a belief similar to Rocky Long, and that is unless you absolutely have a need for a freshman to play, there's no need to burn a freshman's first year getting used to a program and getting used to playing at a much higher level than high school, um, unless he's a five-star recruit, because he'll be better as a fifth-year senior than he'll be as a freshman. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, okay, again, Kawhi <laughs> Leonard was uh, the anomaly and the only anomaly, you know, that that San Diego State has seen ever. The other guy I think of is Evan Burns. Oh God, don't even bring that up. Who was a McDonald's All-American came in and blew his MCL out playing pickup ball or ACL out over summer, you know, and, and then was done and never came back to San Diego State. So, um, you know, I, I think Jalen's going to be probably, my understanding is he's probably got the highest ceiling as far as talent goes. Uh, it's just going to take him getting reps and getting used to it and getting bigger. You know, he's he's got to put on some weight and he's, he's a skinny dude. Um, but uh, overall, I think we're okay. I mean, I, I look at the team, I look at um, where we're at, I, I don't like it. I know that we as Aztec fans have been spoiled because, shit, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we would have killed to win 10 games in a season. You know, and now we're getting used to winning 20, you know, 21 seasons and having 21 seasons every season for the past however many, 10 or 12 years. Um, you know, so we got to take a step back. There's a bigger picture here. There's a lot going on that happens behind scenes that – uh, I've come to appreciate a whole hell of a lot more by going to practices and by by staying close and kind of keeping my finger and thumb on the pulse of what's going on over there. Um, and I think we're we're going to get this thing righted at some point. Is it going to be soon enough? Uh, that's what's yet to be seen. You know, I hope so. I, I think it'll be before the tournament. Uh, I think we're going to be healthy and we're going to peak at the right time. I just hope that there's enough time for us to to pull something out and have people still on board so that this bandwagon doesn't flip over. Why? Basically, going off of what you're saying now, we can apply that principle to basically the whole Mountain West Conference minus Nevada. I don't think the recruiting, if you look at it, has been as good as it was back when San Diego State was on top, UNLV was on top, New Mexico was on top, Boise State was fighting, Colorado State was fighting. And I think the recruiting has gone down a little bit. Um... That's just me, personally. I think 
that has a little bit to do with losing Dave Rice. It's the coach of UNLV. You know, he's a shitty coach, but he's a damn good recruiter. You know, that's what he does. He's really, really good at recruiting. He's not really, really good at coaching. And that goes with losing um, <coughs> Alford to UCLA. Um, they've lost a couple coaches at big schools, and I think that's kind of driven everyone into a stupor, so to speak, because, you know, we're getting the players that we want that fills our team need, that, you know, we need a shooter, so let's go out and get a shooter because we have the best defensive coaches on our team, and they can teach a player to defense. You can't really teach a player how to shoot a basketball really well, but you can teach a decent shooter how to play really good defense. Not in the whole aspect of, oh, crap, New Mexico and UNLV are trying to get this amazing five-star. Let's go out and try and recruit a player similar to that. Um, I don't know if any of you would agree with me on that, but that's kind of where I'm sitting at, is that this this problem is not only unique to San Diego State, but it's kind of happening a little bit all over the conference right now. Dave, I'll, I'll piggyback off that, and then I'll be done for rebutting back and forth. Uh, Marv Menzies at, U- at UNLV will have a top 10 team here in two or three years. You mark my words. Unless he gets caught for doing something stupid or cheating. Well, I would agree with that. He's an asset. <laughs> I expect well, he, something he's out of He's an asset, retreat. but look what he did in New Mexico State. You know, and, and the guy has just got a pattern of getting really, really good guys. And UNLV's always had been a program that's able to get guys that other people can't and get them eligible quicker than other schools can. So... Uh, with that being said, I also think San Diego State is probably one or two players away from being a top 15 team next year. You know, I know we thought that this year. Uh, we need a court leader. We need seniors. We, we need a full class of guys that come in with two things, attitude and effort. Everything else can be taught. You can teach a kid to shoot. Look at Kawhi. Kawhi didn't have the best jumper when he got here, went to the NBA, learned how to shoot. Kawhi had great attitude and always gave 110% effort. That's what we're missing on the court right now. That's why we are not winning. We don't have five guys on the court that give 100% effort 100% of the time. You'll get 70%, you'll get 80%. You know, I think the guys are scared to fail. Being a young guy is, hey, if I don't give 100% and I come up short, it's not a big deal. Versus, hey, if I go in and I give 100%, what's the worst that can happen? We lose. You know, who cares? We lose, we come back out, we give it 100%, we're going to get better. Versus, hey, we lost, I only gave 60 or 70%, not a big deal. It is what it is. Yep, I can definitely see that. And you do, uh, did you see the recent article that just came out about how bad UNLV's attendance is? Yeah. Like, it's been it's been dropping like rock. Um, yep. But does anyone have anything else that they wish to add about Aztec basketball? I'm like, guys. No. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna recant my statement prior, Dave. We're going two and zero this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say we're gonna come back at nine and five. We're gonna eke one out. Actually, we're gonna win tomorrow by four, and then we're gonna go in to Boise and eke one out by like two. And it's not gonna matter. And we're gonna be come back. We're gonna be two and one in conference, and we'll be right back at the top. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Ben? Well, I was, Jeff, I wasn't going to hold it against you for saying on two. I just figured you were reverse jinxing the team. <laughs> um, with what, I don't know, with, with what 
we're getting long here, but what we said about the conference, I mean, UNLV is going to get guys no matter who the coach is. Um, Nevada's kind of rising to fill the vacuum that New Mexico may be leaving empty. And then Wyoming and Utah State lost really good coaches, you know, so so they good longtime coaches. Um, and the state of the – the talent might not be there overall, but just some of those programs are at such a disadvantage um, from the first place. So to lose Larry Shire, Stu Morrill, um, you know, they really took – four or five steps back for the two or three that they took forward. I definitely agree with you on that. So to cap off this show, we normally do a Aztec real estate update. Jeff, do you have anything for us this week? You know what? I want to do something different. I actually want to give a shout out to two different groups of individuals uh, that I got to do deals with. We actually closed deals right before the beginning or the end of the year, beginning of the new year. Uh, the Whitemans, big congratulations on the sale of your property over in Poway and the rates and purchase of your property over in Ranch Bernardo. And to Next Retirement Solutions, uh, big congratulations on your office space over in Del Mar. You know, you guys worked hard and, and have a great things going with uh, Raymond James, uh, their financial advisors, Next Retirement Solutions, independent contractor with Raymond James and, and uh, financial uh, wealth management company or firm. Uh, group that is absolutely killing it. They're local San Diego guys. They're also Aztec alum, Kevin McMarlin. Big shout out to you. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing some business with you guys in the future. So if, for those of you who have not uh, heard about the Aztec Insider Advantage and Aztecs giving back to Aztecs, Aztecs working with Aztecs, I will be donating a portion of the money I earned from uh, both those deals uh, back to San Diego State University uh, or the organization of choice at San Diego State University on behalf of both the Whitemans and Next Retirement Solutions. That is definitely cool. Jeff, the former Aztec baseball player, giving back. Again, family, atmosphere, all around. So for everyone, um, you can find Jeff on Twitter at... The Good All Group. That's uh, on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's also on Snapchat. Uh, what else? Instagram, uh, or check out our website, www.thegoodallgroup.com. And we're now up to five team members. So big, uh, happy new years to everybody on my team. Uh, Tanya, Ash, Will, and, uh, our new addition, Antonia. You can follow Ben on social media. Ben, why don't you give us your handles? Uh, Twitter, find me at dolebj. But other than that, uh, go to the Facebook group. You'll find me there. I'll either be arguing with someone or posting a blog post. So check it out. <laughs> so, John, where can people find you at? Uh, just look up my name, John Kegley, on Twitter and Facebook. And I don't really know how to spell my Twitter account because I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> His is really complicated because it's like biggest Charger fan with one with one G and then I forget. Yeah, it's supposed to be it. biggest charger fan, but they didn't <laughs> they didn't have enough characters for it, so I had to put it like as like B G S T to make biggest. So it's like really hard to remember. So with me, you can follow me on Twitter at David Furker. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at Aztec Dom Pod. You can follow the show on Facebook at the Aztec Domination Podcast. You can also catch us on all the other San Diego Sports Domination accounts on Facebook and Twitter. And then make sure you check out our other shows. 
in the Friar Domination podcast, which is currently in the off season, as you know, baseball is over, and the final Charger Domination podcast episode of the year is coming to you live on Thursday night. So if you want to talk Chargers, make sure you get it in. I'm sure we will add a few additional special edition episodes later on, talking about the NFL draft, updating you guys on stadium if if that comes along updating you on anything chargers but i hope you guys have enjoyed the show so on behalf of our aztec domination podcast basketball crew ben jeff and john this is david ferker and we'll talk to you next week